So we're going to be taking a look at these builders and the attitude they have. We know that they had a very bad attitude, which got them into a lot of trouble, right? So much that they ended up having to have this really confusing experience. And we're going to be contrasting that with the attitude of Abraham, who picks up right after this story. I mean, can you imagine? I know in the story that Miss Daisy read, it was kind of frustrating uh, if you're all of a sudden trying to pay someone a compliment and they punch you in the face because they think that you're uh, making fun of them. But I can just imagine how crazy this would be. I mean, can you imagine going to somebody and saying, hey, can you pass me that shovel? And out of your mouth says, por favor, dame la pala. Por favor, dame la pala. Dios mío, estoy hablando español. Spanish, right? Some people who speak Spanish are like, yeah, that's not Spanish. I don't know what. <laughs> exactly right, Gunner. He knows Spanish. But you can imagine how crazy that would be. And as we listen to this and we think about this story, we could possibly think, you know what? I don't actually do this at all. I don't build towers. How would this actually apply to my life? But I believe that we do this way more than we think we do. That there are times that we like to build up these towers in our lives to bring ourselves glory as opposed to giving glory to God. I'm going to highlight two different ways in which we do this. And these are going to be my babble blocks, as I call them. So the first is what I like to call a tower that we build up is what I call a good works tower. So I'm going to start building this thing. Where sometimes we can think that if we do the good things and people look at the things that we do, you know, maybe we volunteer at that shelter there, we give and do this here, we rake that person's lawn, and as we do these amazingly good works, what can happen is, is that we build this tower up to ourselves. And what these good works can become is about the things that we do, and we'll look back and say, look how great I am. And in fact, people may even look back and say, look at that guy over there. Look how amazing. Look at all the amazing things that person does. Look at, look at how big her tower is. Jesus actually addresses this when he was talking to his disciples. In Matthew 6, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father. But when you give, don't, left, don't make your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Then your Father, who sees what is doing in secret, will reward you. See, Jesus doesn't say, hey, all those good works, let's not do those. Instead, what he says is, is that if you start building your tower to good works, if you start doing the things to be recognized by others, this is as high as you're going to get. But if you do the things in secret and you let God elevate you, your tower would be way greater. I think sometimes we can sell ourselves short by making the good works, and making the things about us. So I'm going to dismantle the tower and see if I can use my cup stacking abilities. What? No. I, I practice my sermon often, but I practice this cup stacking thing more, and I failed miserably at it. So that's tower the first, right? A good works tower. The next tower that I want to take a look at that I think we all do, and this is the one that I identified with, is what I like to call the stuff tower or the achievement tower. How many of you play video games? I see all the kids. Most of you adults should raise your hands too because I see it in the mezzanine. You play in Candy Crush and all those other games on your phone. There's something now in our society where we need to go to the next level to unlock that achievement. 
right? Where we go and we say, hey, once I sign into this app three days in a row, I get this little badge. Or once I do this certain thing, Candy Crush, as I had said, you actually will look at your achievements and it will sign into your Facebook friends and you'll see yourself passing your friends in the achievement as you go. It's crazy. We have all these things that really don't mean anything. These achievements and unlocking. Even in my work the other day, I was logging into my human resources benefit site and they gave me some type of achievement badge for logging in. And I was like, oh my gosh, the way our society is going. But see, we think that if we do these things or accomplish these tasks, we can build a tower to ourselves. A lot of times we'll look at that next achievement, that next thing in life and think, once I get that, then I'll be happy, and then I have arrived. It may be, once I get into the fifth grade, or once I get into junior high school, man, that's when I'll be happy. Once I get that boyfriend or girlfriend, once I get married, have that career, have that first kid, get that promotion, get the kids out of the house, (laughs) retire, we can be stacking up and when we realize that the more and more we try to get it's not enough and we're living towards the future to some future thing we're trying to get not realizing that it's in the journey is where life happens one of the richest men in the world in the history of the world was king solomon Adjusted for inflation, his wealth surpassed anything else that was around nowadays. He talks about this achievement tower. At the end of his life, after he had amassed the biggest tower of anybody in the known world, he looks back at it and he says, I took a look at everything I'd done. I looked at all the sweat, all the hard work, but when I looked, it was meaningless. Nothing but smoke in the wind. At the end of our lives, when we look at and look at this achievements and we're going for it, we realize we'll try to grasp it. And it's just, oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Woke some people up. But as you try to grab this thing, it just disappears. We can make our lives so much about getting that next thing and making ourselves better. And this is what I want to look at today. This is what the, the builders at Babel did. They decided that they wanted to make a name for ourselves. God commanded them to go. God said, go into all the world. And they said, yeah, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to make my name great. We're going to see somebody in a little bit who was also commanded to go. And whose name was made great. But they went about it in a completely different way. So what we're going to do now, though, is we're going to do an object lesson. So I need two volunteers to come up here. I, in the past, I've always like picked the volunteers to have them come up for fear of nobody volunteering, but I'm just going to, I did it in faith today. So could we get two volunteers to come up? We're going to be playing a game slash object lesson. Anybody, man. Anybody. Whoa, whoa. Do we have, is that Logan there? All right, go ahead and come up. And we need one other person. Someone's being volunteered. I don't know. All right, let's go. Let's do it. All right. So go ahead and come up here and grab this Tower of Cups. Look at this. 
All right, grab that Tower of Cups. Grab that Tower of Cups. So, Logan, why don't you go here, and then why don't you go over there to the other side? You got it? Here, why don't we go a little bit? Let's go over here on the ground. So, we do object lessons. Go right over here and set these up on the ground here. So we do object lessons in our classes, and the reason we do them is that it helps us remember that what was taught. A couple of months ago at our Foursquare convention, this is a worldwide convention here in Seattle, I attended, and there were probably 10 to 15 speakers, and I listened to every one of them. Everyone was amazing and powerful. But if you were to give me the list of the names of the people who spoke, and I would have had to tell you what they spoke on, I'd probably fail that test. However... There was one person, his name was uh, Dave Veach, Pastor Lance's boss, who in the middle of everybody, all the big wigs in Foursquare, with the president of Foursquare and the vice president around the world, while he was talking, he had somebody toss him a huge fish that was this big, kind of like in the Seattle Center where they toss him fish. Had him from the stage, people who were there actually tossed him the fish. So in the middle of speaking to thousands and thousands of people around the world, he used this object lesson. He's the only one that I can sit down and remember what he spoke on. The only one, because I remember that stinking fish. So anyway, this is why we do these things, to help us remember. So what we're going to do, we're going to play Minute to Win It. You guys ever play Minute to Win It? All right, you ever play Minute to Win It? So what we're going to do is, we're going to do, I want you to go and try to build a tower of cups like you saw mine here. So go ahead and get a couple cups. We'll give you about 10 seconds of practice. Get a tower, and on the ground, I want you to build it, and we're going to see who can build the tallest tower. So go ahead and start, kind of get them out, kind of do this kind of thing. We're going to have a minute-long thing, and then we're going to see who can build it bigger than the other person, and the person who gets the highest will win. All right, so we're getting the idea, so we're going to do that. So we have a minute timer, so go ahead and take your cups. I know I just had you practice, but go ahead and take all your cups. We have a minute timer that we're going to put up here. So all of you in the crowd, I want you to do me a favor. Please cheer on these people. If somebody's getting a little too high, I may knock them down or help out, do whatever we're going to do. So why don't we go ahead and break, can we break the tower? Man, this is such... This, I don't know if it's going to be the tallest tower, but it's going to be the neatest tower. So do you think we can break it down? You can do it all again? All right. So let's break these down. See if you're better. Yeah, you're better than I am at this. That's amazing. All right. So go ahead and put it all in here. We have a minute. We're going to do it. We have prizes. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be exciting. So we're going to build the tower as big as you can. Ready? So let's go ahead and start the timer right now in the video. The game begins in three, two, so, one. Ready? Set? Go! Build! 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 Let's see how we go. Oh my gosh. Where are we at in our time? 40 seconds left. Here we go. Hands are steady, it's amazing. Alright, we got 30 seconds, we're about halfway done. Keep going, who can get the highest? Alright. 15 seconds, here we go. How are we gonna do it? Build it, build it! I think both of y'all win. I think you have the highest, but you have the most formidable tower, like this wall 
I'm pretty sure if I were to try to get in that, I'd just bounce off. So anyway, can we thank our volunteers? I have a little prize. Here's a Starbucks card. $10 Starbucks card for being a part. Go ahead and... Yeah, you can leave your towers there. I kick it! I hadn't had a plan of what I should do. I'll just I'll knock these towers down. We don't want to... I don't want to be preaching about the Tower of Babel saying how evil towers are and have two massive towers up on stage. So probably not a good idea. Look at that. That's intense. I bet so, Gunner. Yeah, we'll just toss that there. All right. So we could see that building towers many times can be very fun, right? Building towers can be something that we want to do. But we can see that if we try to bring glory to ourselves, that we're, we're at a limit. No matter how great these builders were and they were awesome, they're only going to get to a certain level. The cap is certainly there to where they're not going to be able to go any, anymore. So what we're going to take a look at now is an example of somebody who, like the builders, were told to go. They were told to go, but instead of trying to make a name for themselves, he decided to let God elevate him and let God do the work. This is the call of Abraham. So Genesis chapter 11 is where we get our story of Babel. Genesis chapter 12, after these groups went off, one of the people groups were Abraham's ancestors. And we pick up in the story with Abraham. And this is the story when God called Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Everyone say, I. I I will make you into a great nation and will bless you. Will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. God asked both to go. God asked both the builders of Babel to go into the world. And he asked Abraham to go. But their attitudes were completely different. The builders of Babel said, we need to make ourselves great. We need to build something that other people will look at us and will be remembered forever. We remember the builders of Babel, but for the wrong reason. Instead... We need to have the attitude like Abram, who when he went, he obeyed. And he realized that it was God was the one who was going to make his name great. This is the important thing that I want all of us to remember. And all of us, if we're going to remember one thing from this message, besides the towers, those are pretty amazing. If we're going to remember one thing from this message, it's this. is that Abraham realized it wasn't his job to make his name great. It was Abraham's job to obey and allow God to make his name great. To allow God to be the one to elevate him. When we look at these two different stories, the builders of Babel and Abraham, we see what it means and what it takes to be a truly great person. One who wants to build something to their own name and their own glory. One who wants to say, I'm going to do these things for me. 
and somebody who allows God to be the one to elevate them to what they want to do. And the great part is, and the promise is, is that when we allow God elevate us, like Jesus had said to his disciples, when Jesus had brought everyone together and said that your Father in heaven will reward you if we just allow God to be the one to do it. If we allow God to bring the one to raise us up. So we're faced with the two possibilities. To live in humility, to live as one who lets God raise them up, or to live for ourselves and to allow ourselves and making a name for ourselves become the thing that drives us. So are we going to choose the right way? Everyone yes? And there was much rejoicing. So anyway, so this right here, thank everybody for, can we just give another hand for everybody, all the video team and doing all this stuff? So this right here, this right here is just a great peek into what our classrooms are every single week. We do worship every week. We do a story every week. In our elementary class, we watch the same video. We do, this is the same lesson. I took it right out of the kids' curriculum. The same lesson that we do with the objects in the game. It's really important, I think, for all of us Not only those with kids, but really all of us to know what's going back there in our kids' classes. So I have uh, another object lesson. Some of you are going to be like, two object lessons in once, man. I got to make up, but it's allowed. I didn't ask Pastor Lance for permission, but he's not here. So, you know, it's good. So I want to do another object lesson to just illustrate why it's important for all of us. I got to make sure I don't damage these cups. Got to use them second service. (laughs) It's not like we have like, you know, 20,000 of them backstage. Anyway, so I want to take a minute and to illustrate why it's so important that all of us know what's going back in our kids' classes. So I have over here in my, behind my magical little curtain here, look at that. This right here is 40 cotton balls. Yes, it's truly 40 cotton balls. Every one of these cotton balls here represents an hour. This is how much time we as the kids department have with you kids and with you parents. This is how much time every single year we have with your kids to teach them the Bible, to show them how to live a godly life, teach them memory verses, to show them with an example of our lives how to live a godly life. This is a year. So I have over here, this is how much time you get with your kids Look at this. Look at these fancy. Boom! This is how much time you as a parent get with your kids every year. This is 3,000 cotton balls. 3,000 times that you actually get to teach them. This represents eight hours a day. This isn't when they're sleeping. This isn't when they're at school. This is just your time. Shoot. This is actually 3,000 hours right there. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. Play a little trick on you there. Hear my son be like, what? I heard that before. You can have all the cotton balls and throw them in the fireplace afterwards. <laughs> this right here, this right here is how much time you as parents have with your kids to teach them. I'll tell you what, if you get a gold star in heaven and you're here every single week, you can add an extra 12 to this pile over here. It still doesn't even compare with the amount of time we have. 
So one of the things that we wanted to do this year is that as a kids team, we're trying to say, how can we make sure that we train this next generation of kids up? Because this is all the time we get to have with them. 40 hours. Even if they're at 52 and they get a gold star for the year, we're limited. And one of the best ways for us to make sure that kids who attend our program, that they are getting all God has for them, is to make sure that we are doing our job to train parents and knowing how to teach their kids the things of the Lord. And the easiest way to do that, I'll tell you, is to sit. Everyone saw Miss Daisy up here. She's like amazing, let me just say. We have tons of amazing teachers. We have 50 Daisies back there in our classes. But you can see her as she sat here. When you're with Daisy and you see her teach those kids, you are trained. You have a life lesson on how to train your kids to do it. It's, it's, it's powerful. And this is just one of our volunteers back there. We have dozens who are training our kids. So I'm going to encourage over this next season, and I'm going to be asking parents that if you attend Puget Sound Forest Ground, this is your church home, I'm going to ask that you allow us to train you in how to train your kids up. Gina and I, we've been kids pastors here for almost two years, coming up on two years. And God's done amazing things through our marriage at this time, but also through the ministry. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we've grown by about 35%, just the amount of kids that are there. It's amazing. We've opened up two extra classes in the last couple of weeks, just because kids are, they're just, kids are just falling out of the classrooms. There's just so many. We're actually even looking at tearing down a wall next to our nursery to expand it because we just, there's just so many kids, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing, and we can praise God for it. It's so powerful what's happening with our kids and our generation and our youth and everybody. One of the things that the Lord impressed upon us is as we expanded into these kids' classes, we had to do it in faith. It's very we were fine where we were at. We had the team. We had the volunteers. We had everything to be able to, to do what we were doing. And it was a sustainable model. But in order for us to expand and keep up with the growth, we had to do things in faith that God would actually bring the helpers in. Because something that's more important than anything else to Gene and I as we walk through ministry is volunteer care. I, I, if you're on our team, people will tell you, I will fight. If someone hurts you, man, I will give him a neck punch. Like, if you're on our team and, if, and if, you're, if you're there, we will do anything for you. We do not want to overburden. It's not worth it for us to, to expand on all these things if it's hurting our team. So one thing that I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask for help in this next season. I'm going to ask for help that if you call Puget Sound Foursquare, your home, if you've been coming here, you know, three, six months, I'm going to ask that you can help me change the culture here, that if you're here and you have a kid who attends here, then one service a month, you're back there in the classrooms helping us out. As we do that, I believe that we will be loved, we will be mended, and we will be trained in how to train up our kids. And the great benefit is, is not only will we learn how to be able to speak to our kids and our families, but we'll be impacting dozens and hundreds of kids back here. Some of you uh, may not know the story of how we came to be the kids pastors here. We were attending this church about two years ago. Lance, Pastor Lance brought us in, Gina and brought Gina and I into his office and said, hey, I have a great opportunity for you guys. I really feel like I want you guys to be our next kids pastors. And I was like, oh, sounds good. And I said what is kind of the the Christian way of saying no, which is, all right, man, I'll pray about that, right? 
You ever pulled one of those before? Yeah, I'll pray about that. And we had the meeting. He kind of cast a vision, and we were in the car, and we were driving home. And I remember talking to Gina. I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to be a kids pastor at Puget Sound Christian Center. There's no way. I went to Bible college. I want to be in pastoral ministry. I got a minor in biblical languages and counseling. I'm not called to kids. I got four, but that's... But I'm not called to kids' ministry. Oh, and by the way, this job isn't a full-time job. It's a part-time job. I want you to volunteer to be a kids pastor. And I was like, there's no way I have time for this. I commute up. I still commute up to Seattle in a claims adjuster job. And we sat there for a month, and Lance called us back in a month later. And he said, hey, I have a new opportunity for you. So I'm like, all right, man, lay it on me. What are we doing? He's like, it's kids pastors. I know you said no. And I know that you say that you're not called to kids and you don't have the time, but I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you right now because I believe to get to where we need to be as a church, it's your job. And in order for you to get where you need to be as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor, you have to take that job. And I was challenged. And I said yes. And one of the biggest things I've learned over the last two years of doing this is how important kids' ministry is to Jesus. In... um, Matthew, there's a story about Jesus. He's preaching to thousands and thousands of people. And there were some parents who brought their kids up to the front. Think of like a mega church. Kids uh, who came to the front in order that they can be prayed for. And the disciples rebuked the parents. And you know, want, to, want to know what they said? They said, that's not Jesus' calling, right? That's not why Jesus was placed on this earth to be with your kids. He was called to preach to us. Go in the back over there. That's where the kids belong. And you know what I love about Jesus? He, instead of rebuking the parents, rebuked the disciples and said, no, these are the ones, this is why I'm here. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, not here, them. I've learned over these last two years how important kids are. So I'm going to ask every single parent here, if you have a kid who attends here, we have a say yes board with 12 different positions up by the kids' check-in. Please take a card and to find a spot that you fit in. We have, you can go in your kids' classes, not your kids' classes, you know, whatever else, but please help me change this culture. And listen, I'm not naive. I realize that we're not gonna get every single parent to fill out a card. So over the next couple of months, that's where the real job will be in, where I'm gonna sit and have conversations with you and, and trying to get you to catch the vision. And if you're stubborn like me, <laughs> it will take a couple of conversations. But I believe in this so strongly. I'll tell you what, I was nervous even presenting this because what I didn't want to have happen is people to be here, either new families or else, be like, I can't believe I send my kids back to a classroom with a kid's pastor who isn't called the kids. But I'm telling you, man, I am. The Lord has changed me these last two years. He's changed my heart. I'm a better father, pastor, husband, everything, because I said yes. And what God has worked through our family I'm going to invite through you. And so there are many of you, as I'm looking around, I'm seeing, I'm like, yeah, if they said that they would do it, I would tell them no, because they have reasons. But if it's that you're not called or, you know what, I don't have time, I'm already on the worship team, I'm already doing this, I'm going to push back and challenge you. I'm going to do what Lance did to me, so blame him. But I believe in this so strongly. This will change our church. It will change the next generation if we can do this. Does that sound good? Amen. All right, so I'll gather together. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Let's go ahead and stand as we end today. So, Father, as we took a look at this story today, 
about the Tower of Babel, about a, a people group who were all moving together in one direction that was the wrong way. I just pray for the leadership here. I pray for Pastor Lance today as he's moving us in the direction as the church, as we're moving forward as one. I pray that we would be in the right direction because unity does not necessarily mean we're going the right direction. I pray for him. I pray for our kids' ministry. As we begin to change this culture and as we begin to allow ourselves to say yes, I pray, God, that you would prepare our hearts. I pray, Father, that we would just be a church that embraces kids, that we would be a church that raises up that next generation, not for tomorrow, but for today, because kids today can have an impact on the parents, on us around us. So help us, Lord, to be able to do that. We believe in great and mighty things that you're going to do for us in this next season at Puget Sound Foursquare and in our kids' ministry. Help us to welcome kids in your name. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.